0: My guest today is Gunther Verheyen. Gunter and I are both providing certified professional Scrum training. And because we both talk a lot about Scrum in this episode, I thought I would make you aware of two sessions, Gunther, and two sessions I provide as open enrollment in the very near future. On October the 11th to 12th in Hilversum, Gunther is providing a professional product owner certification. On the uh, 8th to the 9th of November, he is providing a professional Scrum Master Certification 1 level in Amsterdam uh, at scrum.org forward slash Gunther dash verheyen You can see and enroll into these courses. On November the 7th to the 8th, I'll provide a advanced professional scrum master that is level two uh, in New York City. And on the 14th to the 15th of November 2018, I'll provide a Also, advanced professional scrum master two level in Miami for the Lauderdale area. You can enroll here at incremental.com forward slash open dash enrollment. You can also see these links at the show page. And now let's go to the show. For The Agile community. www.agile.fm. Welcome back to another episode of Agile FM. I'm here today with uh, Gunther Farhéen, our author of the Scrum Pocket Guide, a smart travel companion, which was released in 2013. Um, Gunther is out of Antwerp in Belgium. His Twitter handle is Ulissee, that is U-L-L-I-Z-E-E at uh, guntoverheen.com. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. It's yeah. an honor to be here. Uh, it's an honor having you on, the, um, on our conversation here. we will going to talk a little bit about your book. Um, I also learned that your book from 2013 is going to uh, get a little bit of a, uh, an update. There's a new version coming out in 2018. And yes. uh, we we're going to talk about this. But before we get started, um, there's a couple of things you describe yourself. And one of them is a Scrum caretaker. What do you, what, what's the role of a Scrum caretaker?
1: Well, you know, um, in 2016, after three years of, of uh, fascinating collaboration with uh, Ken, Ken Schwaber at uh, Scrum.org, um, I, I decided to go out there again, be in the world, um, do more of consulting again, work with teams. And then uh, you have to think about, what am I doing? What do I stand for? Do I need a title? Is this a role? What do I do? So mm-hmm. I want to become independent. And I felt like Scrum caretaker that covers what I, what I do, what I, I care for things. Mm-hmm. And more, especially in this case, I care for Scrum. So scrum caretaker, We also care about how people and organizations see scrum, perceive scrum, live scrum, how scrum is introduced for people. So that's sort of the caring mm-hmm. element. And then, and then later on, I got more questions about it and I felt like, oh yeah, scrum caretaker. It's sort of like, in a way, it's almost like another word for a scrum master, somebody who cares for people, who cares about scrum, who cares about the position, the role, Mm-hmm. Respectful people within Scrum, so that's sort of mm-hmm. my caretaker
0: thing. Right, so and, and obviously, what you what you were just describing were like the the outside of Scrummers, right? The teams, the Scrum masters, uh, people are using Scrum. But with your book, the Smart Travel Companion, you also give something back to Scrum, right? So you're influencing yeah. Scrum itself. Um, what was the motivation for your book? I mean, the, this is not the first book uh, in the uh, around Scrum. Um, but it definitely, I read the book, and it's truly a pocket guide, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. But what was your initial motivation, I would assume, in 2011-12, when you started thinking about writing a book? What was your motivation for doing this?
1: Well, the funny thing is, I didn't think about that book until like early 2013. I'll, I'll share a little little, mm-hmm. little history and how, sure. how this came to be. Mm-hmm. Because in, in the, the revision that I'm working on, also reworking the preface, and and, and I, I sort of wonder about, oh my God, who could have imagined all of this would be possible five years after the release of this book? So it was released, like you say, 2013, mm-hmm. rewriting it in 2018, hoping to get it even released in 2018. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And I, I was wondering about, wow, because I get feedback from people across the world, people who like it, not just because it's physically a pocket guide, like you say, you can put it in your pocket, literally. But mm-hmm. it also seems to be condensed or focused and, and so on and and how it came to be was in in early 2013 so in my revised preface i'm, I'm writing about sort of how it almost accidentally happened mm-hmm. and one of the reviewers said wow it looks like there's a story behind so i'm sort of happy joe that you give me the opportunity to share that story
0: mm-hmm. so in early 20,
1: 2013 i was uh, still my last couple of months uh, looking back i was working for a, a large consulting company mm mm-hmm. And uh, via consulting company, I was got in. I got in touch with a publisher. Um, they were. They, they had a draft of a of a scrum book that they wanted to publish, mm-hmm. and they were looking for reviews. And my consulting company, having connections with the publisher, they uh, gave them my name. They contacted me, and I had a, a look at at the draft or the manuscript or whatever. And and not to be not to be arrogant, but it was. Let's say not too good. Mm-hmm. Not not to say it was actually horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh well, we're not was, sharing any
0: names here, so keep going <laughs> uh,
1: I do not I d I don't I don't even know the name, so that's that's probably a good mm, thing too. Yeah. Uh, and it was just uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just a copy paste of things, scrum cards, and then dragged in lots of other stuff. It was certainly not certainly not based on experience and so on. So it took me a while, um uh, because I, I I don't, I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to blame people or judge people or assist people. I feel like that's my, my role in life. So I was very hesitant in, damn, what should I do with this? What should I do with this? And that yeah, it took at least a month and then decided, you know what? They asked for my review. I'm going to give feedback. It's not going to be too detailed because I would be sort of almost rewriting the thing. Mm-hmm. So I got back to the publisher saying, I'm really sorry about it. Don't like it too much. Here are a number of general reasons, some detailed reasons, and so on. And uh, I also asked them, so please, please, if you would go on publishing this, I would prefer my name not to be mentioned in the book. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after a week or so, the publisher came back saying, oh, you know what, we've had sort of the same opinion from most reviewers, but in the content you have given us back, the the feedback on the content – it's, it, that was sort of the most impressive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, sort of, they sort of asked me sort of a general question. Do you think, so they were not going to proceed, do you know anybody who would be able to write a book about Scrum because they're a uh, publisher right. in the IT software world, a lot of books, and they really needed, they wanted to book about Scrum. So that was early 2013 with a huge Scrum boom. Mm-hmm. In the Netherlands it was a Dutch publisher too. I was working in Netherlands full time with large companies Mm -hmm. and uh i felt like oh i think i can do this i think i can do this most of my people around me my sort of close circle said yeah yeah of course you can do this so i went back to the purpose saying i think i can do that Mm -hmm. that, and that's that's how it got started and you did it yeah yeah but that that was only the start of the real work show because you know what i felt like i've got plenty of blog notes about scrum all aspects of scrum you know what i will just collect them um throw them together, uh, put a sort of sequence in this, and I will have a book. Mm. That that was 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 a totally mistake. No, (laughs) no, it doesn't doesn't work like that. To have some fluency sort of flow across the book, consistency, sort of proper reusing of words, terminology, everything, I was really very keen. But in the end, I put the most work in making it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like, like software and product development. That's where people spend the most time making it simple, clear, yeah. clear. That's That that takes the most time. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, I was really happy because that seems to be most appreciated by a lot of people.
0: That's true, right? So, And I want to actually go there a little bit to the format and to the size of that a little bit because the… Um, the book itself is, uh, as we said, it's called The Pocket Guide, right? So it should fit in a pocket, and it does. Yes. And it's a smart travel companion. And I used to, in the past, use like a, uh, travel guides such as like a, a Lonely Planet, and it really reminded me a little yep. bit on the, on the cover. Um, it reminded me that you actually see hikers uh, on your book cover. And people who are interested in the book, there's a link on the show page. Um, but it, what I want to see, actually, and learn from you is... Um, What was the motivation for a travel companion? So Obviously, the the mobility aspect seems to be important for you, right, so that somebody has that in their pocket, walks around with it. Yeah. What was the driver for you around that, because I think that's an important thing, which is really, really different to other books out there, which are heavier, bigger in size and so on. So, you want people to have that in their pocket, right? Why?
1: Yes. Yes, I wanted it to be sort of smart in a couple of ways, because smart for me also means sort of lightweight. Um, something that people can easily take along, like I could say, like a real travel companion mm-hmm. that you would take on a journey. And that's sort of my way of reinforcing the idea that it's not about the destination, mm-hmm. that it's about Scrum, using Scrum, employing Scrum, it's all about having guidance on your journey. It's mm-hmm. a journey, it's continuous, it's discovery, it's technically it's an iterative incremental process, So uh, that helps you discover stuff. And I wanted to reinforce that idea that Scrum is all about discovery. Mm -hmm. And then um, discovery of products that you want to build solutions that you want to create in in, in complex circumstances, but also people and teams and organizations adopting Scrum. Adopting Scrum in itself is also a journey. Mm -hmm. And this is the guide, sort of travel companion, travel guide, I wanted to create for people that at any point of their journey, um, literally meaning traveling to work, but also their journey of adopting Scrum, of using Scrum, that they can pull up my guide, look into it a little bit, read about it again, and say, oh, yeah, cool, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. And that's also the, the the idea of the simple language. I, I think it's not because it's simple language that it doesn't have multiple layers of interpretation and meaning. mm mm-hmm. So I, I also wanted the book to be simple and concise in its language, in its format, but still serve as an invitation for people to think about, where am I on my journey? What should I do next? What might be helpful? Mm-hmm. So that was sort of the the uh, the idea behind that.
0: Yeah, the, the Scrum Guide, which you mentioned earlier, is like this thing about the rules of the game. Uh, Mm -hmm. In in your pocket guide, you want people, that's one of the sleeve kind of comments, or you want people to uh, learn, see, feel the playfulness of Scrum. So there's there's definitely a connect between sports, your book, the playfulness. Mm -hmm. How do you see the playfulness of Scrum? So if somebody uh, maybe possibly newer to, to an agile process might say, how is this playful? This is a process framework. How could this be playful?
1: yeah well it it sort of goes back to so i've i've been in this beautiful world of scrum since twenty thirteen mm-hmm. so that's uh that's a long time at least yeah um and and what I found also as from those early years um with scrum 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 and product development employing scrum software development complexity solving that is really really hard work it's tiring work it gets you tired in the evening you'll but if you do it with Scrum, in collaboration with other people, working frequently with users, customers, um, capturing feedback, changing your mind, changing direction, changing course regularly, that's also fun. So it's, it's very tiring. It wears you out, yeah. but not in a way that it burns you out. It's just a very satisfying mm-hmm. way of, of wearing you out. So the combination of fun and hard work is actually totally possible. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the playfulness. You can be playful and still do really satisfying hard work, helping people, providing real high quality solutions mm-hmm. and still in a playful way. Mm-hmm. And I would even even take it a step further, it's almost the playfulness that makes it so good, that helps people build better solutions, mm-hmm. instead of having to uh, feel like on the edge of a burnout, uh, so that's that sort of playfulness. It's like you said. At, at the heart of my book is sort of the the Scrum game, game board that I call it. So mm-hmm. simple representation of all elements of Scrum, which are not too much, and a couple of the main principles. And I I, I do call the people doing Scrum players indeed. Mm-hmm. So fun fun combined with hard work. That's that's, that's that's where Scrum brings you the most if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was sort of the goal then, uh, not just repeat the Scrum Guide, because there's a Scrum Guide, Mm -hmm. but elaborate a lot on the why of the rules of Scrum. So Scrum has a number of rules Mm -hmm. and principles and also values, and instead of repeating those rules, explain those rules, hopefully in a somewhat playful way, but also in a way that people see why those rules are designed, created like that. What mm-hmm. purpose do they serve? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that people understand, yeah, yeah, this is what we're trying to achieve. These are the problems that we try to overcome. Mm-hmm. It's also why talk about Scrum. It's about Scrum, the framework, because it's a cohesive set of rules. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to show how leaving out even one of those couple of elements might have an impact on what
0: you get out of it. Right. Do you have have an example of one of those rules? you feel like that was one of the insightfuls, maybe just one? I mean, obviously there's a book to be read, um, but but maybe there is something uh, you feel like, okay, here's a rule, uh, something very interesting. I would have one, but I just want to hear from you, Um, obviously out of the book writing process or by working with others, collaborating, creating the book, where you felt like that was an interesting rule I wanted to explore on.
1: Yeah. Well, what, what in, in, I know it's from my book, but at least in, in working with people, working sure. with teams and, and so on, also in classes, in my coaching, uh, at events, what, is, what, is, what seems to be the biggest eye-opener for a lot of people is when I go into the idea and, and the concept and the purpose of the sprint review Mm -hmm. Because, you know, everybody calls it a demo, and I would say, oh, it's not a demo. And that was sort of what I tried to achieve with the book also and and in my classes. Well, why do we not just call it a demo? Why do we call it a review? So what's sort of the meaning, the idea behind that word review and not calling it a demo? Mm -hmm. And I will start talking about it, and then people get to see how the sprint review can be a so much richer event Mm -hmm. than the way it's um, let's say, commonly used or practiced, where it's actually just a demo, sort of boring meeting where people are invited to sit still, be silent, and listen to what other people demo. Mm-hmm. And then we, and we talk about, you know what, Scrum only says sort of to review the time box, the people that should be present. Uh, and then Scrum defines the in and the out of the event. Mm-hmm. And then uh, starting from that, people get to see Oh, my God, we could do so much more. So, understanding the purpose of the review where when when I say, well, in a way, inspection without adaptation is pointless, that's certainly for the review where people, if you just go there for a the demo, it's just an inspection. It's all about the past where scrum should be forward-looking. So, if I go into people saying, hey, inspection without adaptation is pointless, what is the point of what is the idea of adaptation of the review, updated product backlog, insights, changing course, changing direction, strategies, and so on. Mm -hmm. People suddenly see, wow. So they understand, in that sense, the rule, the why of the event a lot better, Mm -hmm. and that they can start thinking on how to better organize that.
0: Yeah, this is a perfect example, actually. This is awesome, right, and also the illustration of it. I've I've had uh, folks out there saying, well, it's just the name, who gets hung up on names, uh, mm-hmm. Call it a demo, yep. whatever. If you're doing the right thing, why don't you just give it a different name? But sometimes the name does drive the behavior. Um, yes. like, as you're just describing with the demo, if you're calling it a demo, there is a very different uh, attitude towards what's happening in the meeting. Or, you yep. know, I, I had this very similar thing. Like, uh, we don't have to dive into this, but, but as another example, Scrum Master versus Agile Project Manager. And every time, Somebody calls yep. it Agile Project Manager. You're just going into a very different direction. It's just by a label. Yes. It's very hard to uh, stay in your you know, responsibilities if you're giving it a different name. So, wonderful example. Um, well, to close the topic maybe a little bit around the book before we go maybe and explore something else is what's, what's new in the 2018 edition, if you can share anything uh, already at this point?
1: Yeah. Well, there's nothing really, really new. So there's a couple of things that I've done. Um, just tweaking the language a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, the past five years, since the book was published in 2013 and in 2018, I've rewritten it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world has changed. Scrum has become even more uh, important or more uh, popular, at least. Uh, so, been been. Working a little bit of way into more like general product development in just instead of just software or software product development mm-hmm. so twe- Tweaking the language a little bit. I did do a couple of small changes. I rewrote the uh, The scaling part a little bit mm-hmm. now how scrum scales to get my ideas across a little bit better uh, just Tweaks like that so the, mm-hmm. the, the overall the overall structure is the same yeah. What is important for me is also the the distinction between actually the core rules of Scrum and how then to apply the rules, and so that's still intact. I still mention user studies as a possible tactic to to play the rules, but not as a mandatory way to play the to to apply the rules. So things like that are still intact. So tweaking language, uh, some changes, mm-hmm. small 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 updates. I but think yes. it's it. I think it's more suitable for. Uh, let's say for the next five years. Yeah. Well, this
0: is like if you're really going with the analogy of a travel companion, this is really what travel companions are also about, right? So some restaurants are out of business and you want to update your guide. Um, yeah. So there's a new language. Things have changed. And uh, this is the more accurate companion. Awesome. Well, Gunther, this is not... The only thing you 're working on uh, updating and writing the pocket guide you 're also in agile transformations um, you're coaching um, you deal with the complexity of uh, the modern world out there. What else do you do as a as a coach and what are the things you're encountering around scrum out there? Is there anything you can give to the listeners around some some input feedback how a day looks like for you or if there is even a typical day and Maybe what are the complexities you're facing right there?
1: Yeah, well, so we we, we started this talk. So we talk about what does it mean to be a scrum caretaker. Well, it's about caring for people. It's also about caring for the value I can bring to to the world, mm-hmm. which is which I, which I do sort of in in a couple of ways. So one of them is uh, training, organizing classes, facilitating classes, bringing knowledge to people. In in a way, allowing people to uh, come up with things that they already knew but forgot they knew, mm-hmm. and just using Scrum for that. So classes, I do the. I'm I'm a professional Scrum trainer with Scrum so I do professional Scrum classes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way I try to bring value. Uh, another way is writing, like the book, but also my my blog is, is is full of stuff. Which by the way is, if I can mention this, so sure, so so amazing in a way. It fascinates me. I don't know where it comes from. So I've been doing this Scrum and, and Extreme program also a long time ago, as as from 2003. That is an amazing long time. And you know what? I don't get bored by Scrum, thinking about Scrum, explaining Scrum. So despite the simplicity of Scrum, so let's say it's sort of the simple construction of Scrum with the elements, the artifacts and so on, it keeps amazing me how broadly we can use this, explain this, find new perspectives, and so on. So it, I keep, it's, it, it just fills my life 24-7. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's, that's cool. And, and so writing about it, that's another way. Visiting events, talking about stuff, conferences, uh, that's another way. And then, and then doing consulting. I mm-hmm. try to limit my consulting because I want to balance between sort of those four value domains mm-hmm. or domains in which I try to bring value consulting is in a way very important to get make sure that my feet are still on the ground Mm -hmm. to make sure I get I really closely related connected and even even working with people trying to get scrum to work in their organization Mm -hmm. so currently working with a large insurance company in the Netherlands Mm -hmm. so they they started what they would call an agile transformation a, a few years ago uh, contacted me because I know them from the past, and they want to get more out of Scrum. Yeah. So they do. They do things like uh, DevOps. They want to go to CI/CD, continuous integration, continuous delivery. Mm-hmm. They they want to do Scrum. Huge organization, 1,200 people in IT, and they want to get more out of Scrum. Very mm-hmm. traditional organization, and helping them get more out of Scrum is is so satisfying. It also reminds me on how slow things go mm-hmm. sometimes. So it's really, really, it's really, really cool getting to think in an agile way and and what some of the, so I'm working with with their coaches and so on. Mm-hmm. But what, what struck me at some point is that one of the coaches said, Gunter, I noticed that you're here to talk about Scrum, but you hardly ever talk about actually the rules, and certainly not the rules a lot. Mm-hmm. But you're more focused on people's behavior, how they interact, how they work, the behavior they show that that, that helps them get more out of the events. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where the that's one of the things that where the true power, the possibilities, the real future of Scrum lies. Mm-hmm. People what I would call enacting scrum, not just understanding scrum blindly following the process, That's but right. understanding why they do it. Mm. And and helping people to make that their sort of natural behaviour. Because you know, as as you know, Joe, people have been what I call in my book also, people have a lot of people have been bred and they've been raised in what we call the industrial paradigm. Mm-hmm. You have to design first, you have to do this first. All those handovers, people are sort of it, totally ingrained with that. It takes a while before they get over it, and they get to see like what we said—the playfulness of Scrum, the combination of Scrum with discipline and hard work. Mm-hmm. But it also it also means leaving behind what they thought were certainties. Mm-hmm. And I think I—I I explicitly say they thought it was certainties because everybody believed it was certainties. But if you would look in reality, it's not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Designs, blueprints, analysis, architectural stuff. Handover sign of they don't give you any additional guarantee on success or on, on, on increased delivery of value. Yeah none whatsoever.:
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And then And then going in to an organization, 1,200 people in organizing silos, departments and so on, and it's also very insightful for me on how companies actually try to adopt Scrum. Mm -hmm. Because I've been sharing this at conferences and with people across the world, certainly in in Europe where I travel a lot. People see those patterns everywhere where large organizations establish establish scrum teams within existing silos. Mm -hmm. You often have sort of micro-isolated scrum teams within existing departments. And that doesn't really solve the problem. Mm -hmm. The only thing they achieve is that all value, all features, all functionalities now delivered by teams and no longer by collected individuals, which is an improvement, but what is missed a lot is to use Scrum, and that's also the belief that I expressed by the end of my book, is that I believe that organizations reinvent themselves, they can Mm re-emerge around Scrum. But it seems that a lot of organizations prefer to twist Scrum, change Scrum, so that Scrum fits their current organizational structure, rather than the other way around, because Scrum doesn't care about organizational structures. Scrum defines three complementary accountabilities and where they come from, we don't care. Just look for the right people with the right talent, skills, interest and so on. Mm-hmm. And if you do this properly, just a product owner who would actually own the product and then a development team with actually or several development teams working on a product with actually the combined set of skills and expertise and insight to 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 bring it alive, keep it alive, evolve it, sustain it, and so on, that if you, if you build an ecosystem around the product like that, and then with the Scrum Master sort of making, making sure that things work well, people understand each other, the interaction is fine, and healthy relationships and so on, if you build an ecosystem around the product like that with Scrum, mm-hmm. difficulty for most organizations that just cuts through all departmental and silo structures that they have in place, and there's a little bit of a lack of courage to actually do that. Right. So you have scrum teams working on things that they call a product backlog, where if you look at it, that's like that's not a product it's, backlog. It is a backlog, but it's a collection of work requirements, demands of an incredible variety of sources. Right. But it's not a product backlog. So trying to get them to think about, what is your product? Who are you trying to satisfy with your product? What are you trying to deliver increments for? Mm. And then helping them think like that and then helping them, managers, team managers, line managers, work with teams mm. and reform, reorganize in that direction. That's what makes me really happy. Right. But it's often a long and winding road. But I love this.
0: Well, definitely I love
1: well. it. Yeah
0: you got to do the hiking trail, right? That's not a straight line, typically, right? And you yep. do walk the walk-to-walk, you know, as we say, yep. on the consulting side. The writing, I just want to make sure that listeners can connect with you on the writing aspect as well. Uh, where, would, where would people find your blog, actually? Uh, just under com.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I also has ulysses.com, and so but but just stick with my first name last dot com mm-hmm. and they will they will find it.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're gonna link you from the uh, events page. Now, there's a lot of good tips and uh, things in the writing as well as here in the podcast, but before I let you go, um, I do I'm curious because'm uh, hundred percent sure, but you might be my first guest from Belgium on the um, on this podcast, and I just want to mm-hmm. see and, and hear from you. Uh, you have traveled the world, obviously you've very closely worked with folks in Boston and North America, traveled to conferences. Um, what's your assessment on on Scrum or Agile in the Benelux uh, or maybe just Belgium area? Um, what What are the differences? Is there anything that stands out in, in your region that is different than other parts of the world? Uh-
1: well, the, the funny thing is, so I live in Belgium. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, started with Scrum Extreme Programming when and, and, and doing projects and, and later on products in, in Belgium. Mm-hmm. But as from 2010, 2011, there was a sort of Scrum boom in the Netherlands. And since then, I've 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 went I've went to I've I've gone to work full time in the Netherlands mm-hmm. and worked for like you said Scrum and with with Ken and, uh, and, and the beautiful people in in, in Boston. Mm-hmm. Still working in my home office in Antwerp mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I went back to doing consulting back in 2016, I was sort of immediately attracted and and asked to come work in the Netherlands again. So I have no really good idea about the market in Belgium, <laughs> which is which is really funny. I'm not asked a lot when I talk to people, so I regularly see people. Mm-hmm. There's this thing in Belgium that we are very good at um, hiding how we really work. Means. We have meetings and so on uh, within organizations and see that we're really good Belgians in nodding, saying yes, um, mm-hmm. pretending to comply in the meetings. And then once the, meeting are, once the meetings are over, we go back to our workplaces, then we'll go for the real solutions. Mm-hmm. So that's where we really solve the things. In the meantime, um, that's sort of how we work. We are sort of, nobody is uh, breathing down our neck, looking over us, so we get things fixed. Mm-hmm. And and other people sort of are at rest and they are at ease and they think everything's fine. The problem with that is that maybe we get things fixed, but it's not really the sort of transparency that we, we would hope with Scrum to be given over existing problems.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we have sort of ways to work around transparency. And I see that as a sort of a problem sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. And.
1: That's that's sort of how I see the Belgian market. I don't want to be too negative about it because there's lots of work. There are plenty of plenty of coaches trying to achieve stuff. Um, I've I've grown very comfortable, and it took me a while to be honest mm-hmm. uh, with the outspoken nature of Dutch people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just saying things how they are, yeah. how they see them, how they believe they are, and that means also towards management or hierarchically superior people. Mm-hmm. They don't care, they're sort of born pirates. Yeah. And that, in a way, has helped a lot in the adoption of Scrum.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I see, so that, I see that as a good trade, right?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Gunter, you're outspoken. The rest of Belgium is outspoken. We're gonna hear more about your outspokenness on your blog. We're gonna see more in your book uh, coming out 2018, possibly 2019. The update to the uh, companion. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your stories. Thank you for some background information and uh, all the links and things we have discussed on the show can be found on agile.fm on the events page. And uh, and people can just uh, directly link, connect with you, ask additional questions and and so forth. I want to thank you for your time.
1: I want to thank you, Joe, and most of all, I want to thank your listeners for listening to this. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Joe.
0: Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.